you know, the more, more I grow, it's, it's less about having that big house and that, you know, the cars and the, the white picket fence, the, you know, it's, and it's more of how am I really making a difference? Welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I'm stoked you've decided to join me on this journey to bring about a massive and positive change in the lives of others. Every week, you're going to join me behind closed doors, where I will introduce you to entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators from a variety of industries to learn how their contributions are impacting the lives of others and how they are having a game-changing impact in the world. Thanks for investing your time with me today. Now, Brace for Impact. You and I are a lot alike. We're busy and sometimes we get stuck and we need tools to help us get unstuck. And this is why I'm such a huge fan of the Unstuck app. And you can go back and listen to episode one to hear why. But today I'm even more pumped because the Unstuck team has just launched an online platform called Life Courses to help us make a change in our lives by first helping us understand what's holding us back and then helping design a personalized action plan for moving forward. I just started the first Life Course myself and it's a high impact, awesome experience, something you and I can do together. I know what you're saying, I'm too busy and still Life Courses is designed specifically for busy people like you and me, and you're worth it, I'm worth it. So head over to unstuck.com forward slash impact and sign up today. I'd love to hear back from you. Send me your stories via email at info at theimpactentrepreneur.net or the Impact Entrepreneur Show Facebook page. And of course, we will link to all of this awesomeness in the show notes. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Mike Flynn, and round three of the Champions Mindset Series is with Tyler Fox, entrepreneur and competitive big wave surfer. Rounds one and two were with AJ Hawk, Super Bowl champion, and Juliette Starrett, co-founder of San Francisco CrossFit and world champion extreme whitewater paddler. But today, we chat with Tyler Fox. Tyler hails from the cold water and powerful waves of Santa Cruz, California. He has been fortunate enough to travel throughout Europe teaching kids to surf, mix it up with the world's best big wave surfers on the Big Wave World Tour, as well as a recent fourth place finish in the Titans of Mavericks Invitational, where he was the only goofy-footed surfer to make the final. His success is not limited to his surfing ability, but also extends to running his local business, Santa Cruz Waves, a print and online media outlet serving the Santa Cruz community and beyond. Founded by Tyler in 2010, Santa Cruz Waves acts as a brand and voice for environmental, social, and sports news to a growing base of loyal supporters around the world. Today, Tyler shares the moment that launched him onto his pursuit to become a champion big wave surfer as well as a successful entrepreneur, how he mentally prepares to tackle waves that can be upwards of 40 to 50 feet tall, and how timing, commitment, and endurance play into a champion's mindset. Don't be a podcast junkie, bust out your pens and paper, 
Take some notes and brace for impact. Tyler Fox, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Pumped to have you here today. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been following you. I love your magazine. And I, I'm really excited to have you part of this project on the champion's mindset and the pursuit of, of a championship and, and overcoming amazing things and the mindset that it takes to do that, as well as what it takes to run a successful business, which we'll get into as well. So when you hear the phrase, champion's mindset, what comes to mind? Well, first off, Mike, thanks for having me. What comes to mind when I hear the champion's mindset really is, it's funny, you've got a little uh, sign over here that says attitude is everything. And, and I think that's a huge portion of it is having the right attitude. I think champions really think that they can win in wholeheartedly. They they believe in hard work, with hard work, that they can, you know, make it to the top of the podium or create something super successful. So I think a lot of it is uh, having that that positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you get into big wave surfing? Did your parents surf? Did you grow up tackling these big big waves from the from the get go? No, I, I was introduced to the ocean at an early age in Hawaii. My dad was an avid surfer. He got me out, um, took me out on a boogie board when I was six years old in Hawaii. And so from that point on, I was really hooked hooked to the ocean, you know, just the beach, the water. Um, and then from there, it was kind of a s- slower evolution into big waves. I started out riding you know, like any young kid, just little two-footers. And then I graduated up to a a different surf spot and rode a a four-foot wave, you know. So I think it was a a steady evolution. It wasn't like I just, you know, got my first surfboard and jumped out into 15-foot waves or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm sure you've you've had coaches and you've had a lot of people around you trying to help you become better, not only as as an athlete— but also as an entrepreneur. And so who has been the mentor that's helped you develop the champion's mindset when you think about it from that point of view? You know, I I don't know if I can pinpoint any one person per se, but um, I really try and take bits and pieces from everyone I talk to, you know, people that have been successful, um, that have been there and done things before me. You know, you, you always try and surround yourself with like-minded thinkers and, and, you know, you kind of, you, you let, you let their energy and you try and let some of their success rub off on you. So, yeah. yeah. You know, that, that's very much like the answer that a previous guest, Jocko Willink, retired U.S. Navy SEAL and New York Times bestselling author gave, when I asked him a similar question, he said, you know what? Forget trying to find the perfect mentor. Yeah. Take bits and pieces. Everybody's got good qualities. Everybody's got bad qualities. Find the ones that are good and emulate those and yeah. and apply them in your life. And yeah. I think that's a powerful lesson. Totally. Because I really think there's so many different strategies. There's so many different ways to skin a pig. You, you can get to the top of a mountain by climbing it by foot. You could get there by helicopter. You could get there on um, split skis, you know, there's so many different ways to get to the, you know, the top where you want to go. Right. Yeah. You know, 
we're going to dive into your story as an athlete and what you're trying to accomplish there as a, as a big wave surfer. But you're also a successful entrepreneur. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what I refer to as the impact moment that launched you on the trajectory that you're on. I think a lot of successful entrepreneurs would maybe say something similar, but a lot of your best ideas come from when you're down, when you're when you're struggling, when you're depressed, when you're um, when, when there's been some sort of hardship. I think that's when kind of the light bulb goes off, and you're like, "Oh, I could do this," or "I could," you know. So for me, it was when I was competing, and I was. Sponsored, I had, a, I had a, a solid sponsor, and um, I had a really good year. I had been nominated for Biggest Wave, and I had gotten spreads in magazines. And um, in my mind, I thought I was having a really uh, productive, a productive season. And and I ended up kind of out of the blue. The 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 company the company dropped me, you know. And that was kind of my main source of income, and it it hurt, you know. It was like a like a wow, what did I do to deserve this? You know, I thought I was trying my hardest for you guys and this and that. And, you know, nothing against no hard feelings against the company. I, as as running a company now, I mean, like I'm a marketing piece. I'm kind of the first to go if, if a company is hurting financially, you know, there's no hard feelings there. But basically what I take away from that was, you know, that's, that's what I am as a sponsored athlete. Those, those contracts don't don't usually last for forever. Sometimes they rare in rare cases they could last for a long time. And I just didn't want to leave fate into basically someone else's hands. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. That's kind of when I and I've always since I've been young, I've always been really creative. Like to take an idea and and turn it into something tangible. So. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna create my own thing. From there, I just kind of had my had my brain open and my mind open to all new possibilities of what I what I could do on my own. Yeah, I think champions. I mean, we're all fascinated with champions. And I was going to ask you this question later, but I might as well ask it now. We're all fascinated with champions, and and we look at them and we see them often at their at their peak, at their at their greatest levels of performance. But we don't see them or think about them struggling or think about them necessarily when they're in a slump, you know, how do you not only as an individual seeing other people at the peak, but also at the slump, but so how do you as an individual and also a championship level athlete yourself manage that process of kind of getting out of that slump? I think that's, that's definitely something people don't realize. And, and a, a lot of times I think champions are where they are because of perseverance, because of setbacks. They didn't let a setback, you know, hinder them getting to their to their goals. I've tried so many different little business ideas, whether it's a some crazy little invention to this, to that. And, you know, with surfing, I've tried this, this equipment, that equipment. And you know, 95% of the time, you, you know, you're going to do something and it's not going to work out, you know, mm. but um, I think, you know, it's that, you know, or you were with, with an athlete, it's getting injured. Dang, you know, like I, I hurt this foot again. It's like, and you just, you want to throw in the towel, mm-hmm. you know, I think so many times these, it, there's just, people are so close to um, 
get so close to quitting, you know, and, and just saying, hey, that's it. I've done my best. But I think champions are the ones that that basically say there, there's I, I'm not going to I'm not going to give up until yeah. I get to the top. You ever read the book Think and Grow Rich? I have actually. It's yeah. you know really old book. Yeah, but the principles are still very true today. And there's the story he tells about the gold rush in uh, California, where this guy moves out here. He gets a bunch of people to invest in him, family members, and he just struggles. And he and he gets frustrated, and he hasn't hit any any veins of gold yet. And so he he goes and he sells his plot of land to a local dude for pennies on the dollar, that dude doesn't really know what he's doing either. So he goes and hires some experts and finds out that the guy who he bought the property from stopped three feet from the largest vein of gold in the gold rush history. And that's so true about whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're an athlete, having that mindset that you might be just three feet from gold, you trust the process. I interviewed Kelly Starrett of San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad. I'm not sure if you've, he's an awesome dude. In his interview, he was talking about how it's hard to make decisions because the distance between our thought process and the actual result is so far that sometimes we, we won't make decisions and we'll, and we'll quit. And it's the same thing with, with being an athlete and being an entrepreneur. Yeah, totally. I, I agree. And it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Just, oh, keep, keep trucking along, you know, but like it can be pretty daunting when you've had, you know, multiple, multiple injuries or setbacks. Yeah. And I, I want to get into how that applies to the big wave kind of movement. I, I've, I've surfed a handful of times in my life, even though I've grown up here in Santa Cruz, it's just not something that I, you know, really got into. And even then the waves were like, maybe three, four feet, something like that. And so I have a lot of listeners around the world, and and many don't have a clue what it's like to surf, let alone be what's referred to as a titan of mavericks. So can you slow it down for us? Okay, like slow it down to when you're, you know, from, from the day you get the call to go take, you know, mavericks is ready for the competition. Tell us what it's like to surf that. And, and also to go back to that one question about perseverance and not giving up. Um, I was on the alternate list for the competition for like seven or eight years before I actually got in the real oh, wow. contest. So, you know, I mean, it was, it was like, gosh, am I ever going to get in this freaking contest? It was, it was getting like, yeah. So, Anyways, eight years of yeah, frustration. Just oh yeah, I mean, no, definitely some frustration, and and it's just about putting in your time and, and your training and, and preparing, training this whole time. and preparing and surfing it, and and you even know, though you might not ever make ever it. make it in, yeah, but finally got got in in the comp, and it it was pretty uh, awesome. So now we've you've gotten the call, it's green lit, and it's the day of, and you're you're now getting towed in, and all the variables, all that all that yeah. stuff. You, you know, actually for. For me now, I've been doing it so many times that it's you really try and and keep your nerves and your um, the the hysteria the the excitement kind of at bay a little bit. But you obviously you know like so 
the contest calls it, they're like, okay, you know, we got, we got a swell on the horizon. Um, looks like this one's going to be the one, um, we're going to go ahead with the contest. So at that point, it's really so much of, of the sport of multiple sports about preparation. Okay. So first thing is my equipment. Do I have all the, all my leashes dialed in? Do I have my fins dialed in? Are my boards waxed perfectly is there make sure the bottom is totally smooth of any you know i mean all the little fine-tuning everything um fine-tuning my body going to to hot yoga really getting in kind of like a warrior state of mind really really preparing swimming you know and really getting mentally prepared getting in that that state of mind where hey i'm gonna jump out into this this arena you know, and there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people watching and um, to not not let any of that affect you and basically just go out there and, and do what you've been training to do. So, Yeah, you know, I, I just can't imagine that surfing a big wave, any wave, but especially a big wave, is way more complicated than it seems. It's not as simple as just like paddling out and, you know, waiting in the lineup. And, you know, there, there's way more variables as you kind of started to allude to. So how, how do you mentally and physically and emotionally prepare for the fact that a 60 foot wave or any, anywhere between a 40 or a 60 foot type wave could come down on you? Like what, what is it like paddling into that or, or being towed into that? Cause you don't paddle it, something like that. Well, yeah. And th- this competition is all paddle. Oh, is it really? There's jet skis out there for safety. Okay. But um, yeah, it's it's all um, the Mavericks contest is all all paddling using you know the your own strength of your arms to get you into these massive waves. So you know, I once again I'll come back to the preparation. If you're caught inside or you take a bad wipeout and you're underwater and it's dark and it's scary and you're getting thrashed around like you know I use the analogy of a pit bull shaking a little chew toy like it just the wave is feels like that it's shaking you around wants to rip off every limb to really stay calm that's one of the most important things most anyone to say it's it's like 90 percent mental you know but how you get that mental calmness is is i think through that preparation through training knowing that i swam four lengths in the pool underwater and i've ran these stairs and i've been paddling for miles so in your head, you're like, I've trained for this. I know I'm, you know, ready for this. And, and that'll help kind of alleviate some of those scares of, oh, my gosh, I'm going gonna, gonna to die here. <laughs> so help, keyword help. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you still, it's a, it's a very hard thing to do to push aside those yeah. negative thoughts. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. the will to win requires the will to die, yeah. you know, and and that was a quote from Jocko Willink, specifically about his experience in Iraq as a Navy SEAL, yeah. you know, fighting this this war. But you know, I heard it said that that Mavericks is like a combination of Niagara Falls and Mount Everest. You know, and uh, I just was watching that on a video. So as you're paddling into this wave, and that that swells coming up. And that monster is forming. I mean, what do you see? You know, you know who Stephen Kotler is. He wrote a. He, he's an author. He he talks about like you know. He, he wrote a book called The Rise of Superman. It's a great book. 
talks about flow. So I don't know, describe like what, as you're paddling into that wave, what you are seeing so that people can get a visual of what it's like. Let's see here. How would I give people a visual of what a, so, you know, before it, Actually, the wave breaks. It's 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 a big swell, and a lot of times you're you're looking out way out in the ocean and a mile out, and you see kind of these lumps in the ocean that kind of rise up, these big dark lumps. You know, so you're kind of trying to get prepared. You know, when you see that set, you're like, okay, like it's gonna hit here in a matter of seconds. I better get ready mentally, you know, to turn around and paddle for this thing. So. You know, when you see that that wave, I would say visually, if you could imagine like a big rolling hill of grass, like that's, it's so hard because it's, it's yeah. it, I, I'm trying to think of things that what it would look like that I could compare it to. And there's not too many things. Like a five-story building coming at you? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, but the five-story building is ver- flat, flat yeah, you know, sure. straight up. So yeah. it, it's it's a little challenging to try and paint that picture, but when we do see these swells come in, it's the big thing is, okay, I'm going to turn around for, for this big moving liquid mountain. And um, that's when you kind of go into this auto autopilot, like my head's down, I'm going to paddle, you know, as hard as I possibly can. And there's no room for hesitation. Basically you, you have to, you have to give it your all and because these waves are moving so fast and the energy of them pulling up off the reef, it's like you, you're paddling down it and this wave is, there's so much water pulling up, it just wants to suck you in, suck you up and into the lip. Right, so right. there's really, Richard Schmidt, one of my mentors, um, one of the guys that taught me how to surf, absolute legend here in, in Santa Cruz. He was like, yeah, you just, one huge thing is when you're surfing big waves, there's no room for hesitation. And that's proven to be very good advice. Because, I mean, if you hesitate, you're definitely going to get destroyed, right? If you hesitate, even for a second, you're, well, you're going to not catch that wave. And if you were paddling for it and you hesitate, then you're going to probably get stuck up in the lip and go over the falls. And Mm, so it's either you go or you, yeah. yeah, you know, <laughs> and we'll include we'll include some videos of of Mavericks in the show notes so people can go yeah. and and see what it what it's like. Have you ever wiped out on on a wave like that, like at, yeah. at Mavericks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, many times, and that's part of the part of the game. You, right. you definitely. What's that like? You know, each wipeout's different. Um, you've got wipeouts that you think you're going to get absolutely annihilated. You're at the bottom of this wave. I've had some where it's like I've had two guys drop in the front, drop in on me. I'm turning over my shoulder and looking up 30 feet at this lip careening down, and it's going to land pretty much right on me. And I'll dive off, kind of side, I'll dive or I'll jump off and just kind of getting ready curl into a ball and get ready for an absolute thrashing. And all of a sudden I'll pop up the back and be like, what just happened? How did that, you know, and it's just, it's very strange. So, and then other times it'll be maybe a smaller wave or I'll kind of fall in a way that I I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to be really bad. That's the power of the wave. It'll, it'll grab you and suck you down. And all of a sudden I'm like 20 feet down and it's dark. And I'm like, how did this wave just do this to me? Like, so Mavericks is 
is a, it's got many faces. It's got many different moods, as a lot of surfers will say. And sometimes it's the most beautiful green, just you did not so much frightening, but like just you're just in awe of its beauty. And other times it's like, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> that looks like the scariest monster I've ever seen. So, well, I can only imagine that, like, you know, you've talked a little bit about the training and the process, but I don't want to like skirt that because I think it's really important for people to understand exactly what goes into it because we see like the consumer end of of the surfing world you know all the products and the cool stuff and the and the girls and the and the lifestyle but when it comes to these big waves we don't see that you know you're paddling for miles out in the Monterey Bay with like weights on your board pulling yourself down deep into the ocean and hanging out there for a little while holding your breath i mean if you wipe out in Mavericks, and it's a bad one, you know, you get thrown 20 feet under the water. How long should you expect to be able to hold your breath for? You know, that's probably the most common question people ask. It might shock you, but it's wipeouts at Mavericks probably average anywhere from 12 to maybe, maybe, you know, 35, 40 seconds. Okay. It's, you know, people are expecting, are you going to get held under for a minute and a half, two minute, you know, a minute. And it's really, you can two wave hold down. You can, you can get held under for, yeah, maybe max, like right around a, a minute. Yeah. But you know, it's not as long as really you would think, but the big thing there is that you got to think about your heart rate when you're paddling into the, these waves, you yeah. are like max, you're at a sprint. Yeah, yeah. So try running up a flight of stairs, huge flight of stairs, sprinting up them, and then holding your breath at the top and how long you can hold your breath for. So that's kind of similar to what's going on when you're surfing big waves is that, you know, you're at full capacity exertion of, of energy here. And, and then it's like, okay, I just belly flopped and all the air got knocked out of me. And now I'm getting pushed down and now I'm getting thrashed around. And right when I fell, I was already out of breath. Yeah. You know, so it's a lot more about what you're doing and the wave than than just like straight. Oh, the breath hold. I would say. Yeah, I would have. I would have thought like you, you would have. I, I'm surprised that it's only you know 12 to 30 seconds. But but the point is too though that you're prepared in the event that you have to to do it, hold your breath longer, and that it go. It's much more significant than just being able to hold your breath underwater. It goes into everything that you just said, which is really powerful. And I think that it goes back to that whole preparation and training. And that is critical to a, a champion's mindset, doing those those little things and breaking the process down into incremental steps so that you're not overwhelmed by the space or the distance between the, the end goal and your beginning state, you know? Yeah. I, I was uh, I do research for all of my guests, and I was watching or reading this interview about you, and and you said that you want to serve wa- uh, surf waves of great consequence. What's that mean to you? I don't know where I said that, but I must have said it somewhere. <laughs> um, uh, I, I guess it means that you know I want to challenge myself in in waves that like Mavericks, like Jaws, that are are really demanding, that are. The Mount Everest, the the the, the K twos, the the gnarliest, hardest waves in the world, and I think to truly be the best in your sport, you should be surfing, you should be doing it all. So, 
This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. Who's the the person that comes to mind that uh, when you think about you know your your fellow athletes, big wave surfers, that comes to mind that kind of sets that example for the for everyone? I think the king of big wave surfing in in all aspects is probably Shane Dorian. He his home his basically his home break in Hawaii is Jaws, and he surfs it on a different level than anyone else out there. I was just there this last winter, and I was just in awe. He's got this shiny bald head and he's sitting out way further than everyone, deeper than everyone. And he just looks like this wise, like bald (laughs) eagle out there. Like it's, it's like he's, he's on a, yeah, he's on a whole. What is, what is Jaws like compared to like Mavericks? How, how, how do they differ? Jaws is right up there with one of the scariest, powerful waves in the world. Um, If, if not the most, it's just, you know, I've grown up with Mavericks, so going over to surf Jaws, I was like, dude, this wave is so scary because it it shifts around. Mavericks is in one defined area, one bowl, mm. and Jaws has got this huge 100-yard playing field where you've got the, these huge walls lining up, and then they might shift over. So you're moving around. You might get caught inside, and uh, and there's a lot of wind, so that's a that's a big factor with Jaws. You're trying to paddle into these big walls of water and you've got all this spray blinding you basically as you're trying to paddle in this offshore wind. And a lot of times, right when you stand to your feet, that wind, that offshore, uh, that offshore wind will get under the board and just basically make you levitate. (laughs) Just lift your board and all of a sudden you're blind, you're in the air, you don't know what's going on. So Jaws is super frightening. If you wipe out on Jaws, is it the same thing that you have, like, in terms of depth? Like, you'd wipe out and you go 20 feet down? Because I know there's different types of breaks. Is it is it similar? Jaws, I believe, is more of a, it'll drag you. Okay. Mavericks will push you deep into the darkness, and Jaws will, it'll just, like a, like a river, like, getting thrown into a rapid, you know, from, it'll just drag you for 100 yards underwater. So... I think that's maybe a little difference between the two as far as the type of wipeouts. Yeah, but you have to, you know, you have to train. You, it's, it's so funny because the, the, it's not funny. It's not even ironic. It's just like a universal truth when it comes to athletics that whether it's football, whether it's rowing, whether it's weightlifting, there's going to be variables and nuances that you have to be mentally prepared for and geared up for and willing to to accept and embrace and not hesitate on and I, it's it's interesting one of the things that I'm really excited about about this series on champions mindset is taking these different modalities of of athletes and stringing this line of a commonality mm-hmm. among all of them you know that makes them great and this is definitely 
one of the main themes is is adapting to the different variables and, and overcoming them because of the process and the training that you've put in. Sure. A lot of it is overcoming all those those unknowns, you yeah. know. It's Yeah. What's the craziest wave you've ever surfed? Probably some waves at Mavericks. There's also a wave down in California, a little south of Mavericks that called the uh, Ghost Trees or Pescadero Point that gets, um, there's a lot of underwater boils. So you're riding a, riding this monster wave and it's all of a sudden you're literally seeing underwater, two feet underwater, this this rock, you know, right under the water and you're on a monster wave and you got almost got a bunny hop over it. <laughs> so that was, that's a pretty crazy wave. Surf some waves in uh, Chile, Punto de Lobos and Hawaii's got some crazy waves. Sometimes a small wave can be crazy. Yeah. You know, it doesn't need to be 40 feet, but it maybe it's a, a slabby wave and it's breaking over a foot of water. And if you fall, you're getting for sure slammed oh, onto that. Yeah, yeah. So when you're surfing like a big wave, like a wave like Mavericks or or Jaws, or how fast are you going? How much force is is pushing you out back toward the shore? You know, I've never really had a... They have these GPS, like these tracking devices that can actually clock your speed Mm -hmm. now. But I would guess it's something like 30, 40 miles an hour. You're you're going once you stand up and you start dropping down, so... 30, 40 miles an hour with about... With some bump and... uh, And and a uh, 40 or 50 foot wave that's probably how many tons of water? Oh, the cubic (laughs) tons is, is... absolutely astronomical how much force you have in in these waves. Yeah, it's, which is why that, that it can throw you down into 20 or 30 feet of darkness, as you said. I was watching a, a promo video that Titans of Mavericks put out about the competition, and the narrator used words like timing and commitment and endurance, and you kind of alluded to a little bit of that. But how do those three things play into the development of a champion's mindset but also, since you're an entrepreneur at Santa Cruz Waves, how do you apply those same exact tenets and truths to the way you run your business? Yeah, I think timing is is a great thing to bring up. It's sometimes you never know, and sometimes it could be just pure luck with timing. But, you know, timing comes into what wave on the set do you take? You know, when do you stand up? You're paddling into this wave. Do you, if you stand up a little early, you might get blown off, you might get stuck in the lip. So that's going into like the the nitty gritty of, of timing. But, you know, it, it could relate into business. When do you, when are you starting this business? Is your competition doing this? Or uh, there's so many different things that timing is, is crucial. And it's also a hard one though, to say, oh, we, <laughs> you know, when's the, to know when the exact right time to do something is. Mm-hmm. So timing is hugely important. It's also a very difficult one to know. <laughs> yeah, both both on the on the when to do something and to also when to stop doing something. Exactly, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I can only imagine, like, on a wave, like, you, you might be paddling into it and then you've, you feel like, oh, I'm going to miss this thing, but then something happens in the wave and there's a surge and you get caught up in it. Has that, has that ever happened? Totally, yeah, you know, so... And it's the same thing probably with business, right? I mean... Yep. When do you hold or when, you know, what? Are, what's the saying with the cards, you know? No when to hold them. No to no hold them, no to fold them, <laughs> you know? And uh, it's a tricky one. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to say that I have any formula or any 
right answers with that one. You just kind of have to, sometimes you got to go with your gut and, it, yeah. and, and go with your, your intuition. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that will, will serve you best more than anything. Has that been helpful to you? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, I've read some stuff about and some studies about people that, you know, these these doctors will do all these studies of this focus group where I don't know exactly how it worked, but it was something pretty crazy. Like 80% of the time, people's intuition and their, in, their instinctual reactions like, came out to be true, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of times what they did was their first thought would be like answer A, just right off the bat, I think it's answer A, but then they'll think about it. They'll, they'll kind of go back and forth. Oh, but what if it's this one? It could be, no, you know what? I'm going to go with answer B. Hmm. Hmm. And then, and then the, the, the person will be like, okay, well, what was your first, what was your first reaction? Yeah. Right. And well, I was answer A. It was my first, very first thing. And, and then they're, they're like, yeah, well that was right. Do you remember in, in school when you were about to take a test, they always say, just go with your first. First. Yeah. I never, you know, I never thought about that. But now that it just brought that memory up, you know, I remember take, getting ready for my SATs in high school, and they were like, you know, if you don't, just go with your first answer, yeah. your first, yeah. your, your first guess, or yeah. whatever, you know. And I, I, I have a strong gut instinct about things, and and observing people and in the world, and having, you know, a, a high level of intuition. I think is really important, and people don't put enough weight in that when it comes to. Uh, making decisions. You know, there's too much other noise and and people filtering out your gut. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is there's so much noise out there. Whether whether that noise is is critics, you're uh, if you're trying to do something new and groundbreaking, you know, that's noise. That's people saying, "What are you What are you doing?" You know, and a lot of times with entrepreneurship, like you, starting a magazine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like starting a magazine. What are you doing? Magazines are 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 dying. They're dead. Yeah. No one wants to see a magazine. You know, like. But that's where it's going with your gut. I, I yeah. you know, and saying, you know what? I think this could be something really cool. Yeah, it's contrarian. So I, I'm kind of if everyone, if the whole flock of sheep are walking this way, I, I think it's for me at least. I I try and walk the total opposite yeah. way. And that takes that that willingness to commit, as we talked about, and the ability to endure, you know, those those long, you know, periods of time, or, and maybe even feeling alone because oh, totally. everybody else yeah. is like, dude, you're 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 totally going to eat it. You know, there's a lot of crossover in business and, and athletics, as we kind of talked about, and success is something that both the athlete and the entrepreneur wants to achieve, right? So, how do you measure success? when it comes to both of those events, if you will, being an athlete and being an entrepreneur? You know, it's funny. Successes can be measured so many different ways. I think success, for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly growing and constantly reevaluating what success means to me. And I think that if I give 110% into a product or into a, a goal, you know, whether it's trying to win Mavericks or you know, have the, the best magazine in all, wherever, you know. Um, I think that, I mean, that's a tricky one, you know, because. Well, let me, let, me, let me put it this way. How has your definition or what you perceive as successful changed from when you were just getting started to now? 
you know, su- success is a lot of can be judged off of, you know, numbers. How many, you know, how big a house do you have? How many cars do you have? Well, that that's the, you know, American term of success. You know, you're successful. You've got to, you, you, on the outside, you're looking very successful. Successful. Yeah. yeah th- thank you. Yeah. Um, and I'm learning more and more that s- success to me is, is being able to make a difference hmm. and, and, and change people's lives for the better. Give people a job that they're stoked on. Maybe, maybe ch- change a law or something that, that will be more beneficial to our environment and to th- the animals in the ocean that I play in every day. You know, the more, more I grow, it's, it's less about having that big house and that, you know, the cars and the, the white picket fence, the, you know, it's, and it's more of how am I really making a difference? Making an impact. Making an impact. Yeah. 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 Was there an experience that like you can recall that where, where you're kind of, you had a switch from, from that, you know, traditional old school American definition of success to this more purpose-driven measurement of success? You know, I'm not sure if there's one groundbreaking sort of one moment, but uh, it just over the years, I've learned what what really feels good, what's what feels good in the soul. And I think a lot of people can agree with this, is that it feels so good to help people out, I think. Yeah. You know, when you, when you stoke someone out and you, you know, give whatever, whatever it may be, um, it feels good, whether it's saving an animal, like you people, if, if I am, if I'm save a turtle or pull some plastic out of its mouth on a dive trip and set it off free, you just save that thing's life. That feels absolutely amazing. What does, in all reality, like what does driving a nice car around, you're going to get some more attention, Mm -hmm. but are you really feeling better? Right. In, in your soul? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I was just listening to this study, similar concept about the impact of giving and the and the ripple effect. Because when you give, you have a, a boost in serotonin, right? The person that's receiving that gift, whether it's money or food or, or help or a job, gets a, a boost of serotonin. And then everyone around. around yeah. And so it's an amazing giving. There's no wonder that like giving is just like the most exponential way to feel successful and to ultimately become successful. The people that give yeah. the most are often the most successful. And it's because, not just because they're giving, but because people are drawn to that yeah. and want to be around that. So I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Is this what you want to be remembered for, both the being a championship-level athlete and a successful entrepreneur. Is that what you want to be remembered for? How do you want to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as, as a person that has uh, a change maker, you know, and, and for the better. Someone that's like I, we were just kind of talking about, someone that's actually made, as, as sort of cliche as it sounds, but made the world a, a better place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I say world, I mean, you know, not just not just people, but you know, animals in the environment. And we're, we're, at a, we're right now in a time of a huge uphill battle with trying to keep our world um, from totally getting, getting wiped out from pollution and in, in, in industry and people. I, I just want to bring more awareness to that. For one, I think that's big on my agenda. Are you involved in any 
organizations kind of? Yeah, a lot here in Santa Cruz. And I think it all starts, it starts small. It starts on just daily actions and whether, you know, it's just bringing your reusable water bottle to Mm -hmm. get your smoothie or your coffee, you know, saying where you shop, you know, I, I think that's a huge, very powerful thing is as consumers is what we, what we buy and what we choose to not buy. And I think that can go a long way. Yeah, no, I, I remember I was reading in uh, Santa Cruz Waves magazine, there was an organization called The Last Straw. Yeah. I believe that, that you're involved. The Last involved. Plastic Straw, yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is really powerful. And then I have another friend here in Santa Cruz who is just kind of launching this movement to get rid of the plastic coffee tops that you get all over the place. It's called I Go Topless yeah. is her, yeah, is her I, I movement. Just, yeah, I chatted with her the other, yeah, the other yeah. day. But. Yeah, she's she's getting some getting some traction there. And That's good. So I think it's really powerful. If there's one thing that you would want our listeners to take away from this conversation today, what might it be? I would say that your just small daily actions do make a huge difference. Mm. And it's very easy to get in the the mindset of it's already done. This is, it's already, there's already this out there. I'm not, if, whether I do it or not, it's already, you know, like what, what, what really difference am I going to make if I choose to say no straw? It's like Mm -hmm. one straw. Yeah. But if we get more of a collective thought process going, then that one person, just like the giving, you know, that one person might share with their one friend, like, Hey, you don't, you don't need that plastic straw. Or um, request that, you know, someone has a compostable straw or, you know, I'm not going to use these plastic utensils for my takeaway. I'm Mm. going to have a a set of uh, bamboo forks and knives in my car that I just keep in my car and and use those when I get takeaway food or something. Mm -hmm. But all those little things, they they go so far. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's in, in this day and age where there's such vast problems out there. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get overwhelmed and say, "What? A, what really difference am I making?" Yeah, but well, I mean, it's the same thing that we've been talking about for the last whatever forty minutes or so, which is the small things matter. Yeah, it, those small incremental steps, whether you're working to launch a company, whether you're working to surf Mavericks or Jaws, whether you're working toward a a, a National Football League Super Bowl ring, yeah. whatever it might be, or just trying to be the best husband, brother, sister, father that you can be. It's all in these little incremental steps. It is. So I wanted to say, you know, thank you for joining us on on the Impact Entrepreneur Show today. If if there's any way that our listeners can connect with you, what what would be the best way, place to send them to? Yeah, with you? Um, you know, I'll uh, respond to my Instagram, Zorro Del Mar. Zorro Del Mar. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. Everyone was doing these... Uh, kind of funny names and you you know you kind of want to try and be unique so yeah, yeah. it kind of translates to fox of the sea right nice. <laughs> so, so yeah on there on facebook just tyler fox on facebook i think i i can i am on trips f- f- a fair amount of time but i will do my best to to reply to people if, if they have any questions right on. and then santa cruz waves is also on uh, on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff too, yep, right? Just Santa Cruz waves. Yeah. We're all on, we're on all those yeah. those templates as well. Well, thanks again, Tyler, for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. 
Tyler, you are a champion, and I especially appreciated the examples you shared on the importance of being committed and prepared so that when opportunity presents itself, you are ready to take action. If any of you listeners missed any of the key points we covered in the conversation, don't worry, you can check them out at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 35 for all the key points and highlights of the conversation Tyler and I had. And while you're there, of course, be sure to support our sponsors, the Lawton Marketing Group and Unstuck Life Courses. I want you to continue the conversation about how you are learning to develop and maintain your champion's mindset over on our private Facebook community, which you can opt into at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash group or search for on Facebook by typing in Impact Insider. Thank you, Cody and the Podcast Masters team for helping me produce a quality show. Until next time, go make an impact.